0: Welcome to New Creation Family Church. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon.
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, It is always an amazing privilege to be able to stand up in front of the the older generations and and get to share, and so hopefully hopefully it'll be a good one. Um, um, So we've been on this this series... um, uh, called defining moments, um, and I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed the series. And if you have, if you've missed any of the messages in the series, please go to the website and download it, um, because oh, there's just been so much really awesome material that has come out of it. Um, I've been inspired, and, and and a lot of what I'm going to hopefully share today will come out of out of the following up of of those messages. Um, and so it's been a really really amazing series. So please go and download them, listen to them, meditate on them, and make them part of your life, I think it's gonna be great. So, um, I'm gonna kick off, I wanna share with you guys a story um, of a brave young boy, um, a, a boy born on the 4th of February 1989. His name was Molani Nkosi, and um, he, um, he was born um, um, with HIV AIDS, um, because uh, his, mom, his mom had a, a HIV and so he was born. It was during a time when um, things were a little bit unknown when it came to um, when it came to the disease, and and, and so he was infected. Um, and this boy, sure, this boy um, was just a brave boy. He was not expected, as many boys and girls who were born with a- a- HIV at that time, he was not he was not expected to to live past his second birthday. But he did. Um, Him and his mom, uh, Nonsantla, um, had, uh, for various circumstances, ended up going to a a care home. um, And even there, um, they they met an an amazing woman who who, who ran the care home, but for financial reasons, the home had to close down. And it's it's quite a long story, but what ended up happening is uh, Ngoilani decided to stay with um, the care mom. Her name was Gail. And um, he stayed, and and his mom went to spend some time with other, with some other family. Um, and one of his one of his dreams, and so Gail fostered him for a little while. And one of his dreams was he wanted to go to school. And at the time, um, schools were not open to having anyone in this in, in, at school with HIV/AIDS because it might be you might get infected. And he just wanted to go to school. So at eight years old, Gail said, No, you're going to go to school. And she applied to, to various schools, and they couldn't, um, and no one, no one accepted him. And so she took the so matter public and went to court, and they won. And because of the bravery of that boy and the, the, the courage of, of, the, of, of his foster mom, Gail, schools were, schools were told, you can you, you accept kids. And and so at eight. Um, in in the year nineteen and uh, yeah nineteen ninety seven, he went to school for the first time. And he was overjoyed. But then later that year, his mom died. His biological mom. And he was heartbroken. But he knew he needed to he, he needed to keep, keep going. And so his foster mom became his mom. And she adopted him and, and uh, Nolani decided to change his name, his choice, and he became known as Nkosi Johnson. The lady was Gail Johnson. And they together kept fighting for AIDS awareness and, and the stigma around AIDS, HIV AIDS. And in July 2000, a young boy stood before leaders and wrote a self-written speech, and said a self-written speech, asking, pleading with our country's leaders. And if you, I, I don't have time to read the message but do yourself a favor and go and read it. Go Google and Corsi Johnson speech and read that speech. But he ended with the following words. We are normal. We have hands. We have feet. We can walk. We can talk. We have needs just like everyone else. Don't be afraid of us. We're all the same. And then in October 2000, he went across to America, Atlanta, and he said the same speech to some leaders there. He came back home, um, and it was the bravery of this young boy that made a marked difference in how we see HIV-AIDS. And it was because of him and, and many others, but specifically him, that made a, 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 who left a legacy of, of changing the stigma around HIV-AIDS. And unfortunately... In two thousand and one, the first of June, Nkosi of he died. He had a seizure, and it affected his brain, and he had some brain damage, and he never, he never got, he never um, overcame that. But his legacy lives on, and in Nkosi Haven and the many foundations that were started by him. My message this morning is. Is that it takes courage to have a defining moment in it, it, it takes courage to have defining moments in our lives. Many of us, many of us may not be an N. Corsi Johnson, Johnson, who, who may need the kind of faith, the kind of courage, the kind of bravery to stand before the world's leaders and fight for something which we take for granted today. But every single day we make decisions that um, require courage. One act of courage can make a massive difference in the lives of others, as we can see by Nkosi. But, a defining, but defining moments and decisions that we face every single day will also require courage. And that's what my message is on today, and I really hope that, that um, you are going to understand this, this, this thing called courage a little bit better. Nelson Mandela gave, had a quote um, he said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but tri- the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. If you, want to do, if you want to do what matters in life, it is going to require courage. If you want to do what matters in life, it is going to require courage. Um, I remember... Um, in, I was thinking back and in preparation. I was trying to think of a story in my life where I had to have courage and, um, and then God reminded me of this story and I, I'm going to share it with you. And um, you may you may laugh. It's fun. <laughs> so I was 23 years old. I was new to new creation and a few of us decided we were going to go down uh, to the Tzitzkama to the on a bit of a road trip. And so off we go. And um, we passed the famous... Um, um, uh, bungee jump, uh, the uh, Blowback, what's it? Um, Storms River bungee jump, right? The world's highest commercial bungee jump. And so we're driving past this, and I remember we drove over the bridge, and we saw, we saw the sign, and we drove over the bridge, and we kept talking about it, and we were like, you know what? You know what guys on a road trip are like. We're like, I bet you couldn't do it. I bet you couldn't do it. I bet you. So we turned the car around because we said, okay, okay, oh, oh, okay. So we turned the car around and we drove. And we stop off and we drive inside. Then we're like, okay, let's just see what this is all like. Let's see what the costs is like. Let's see what this is. And I remember driving. Um, and, and, and I remember with me, I'm like, I, I talk big. So I was like, you guys are never going to do it. I'll do it. I am going to be the first off that bridge. Don't worry. And, um, and so we drive up and we get there. And I was like probably, I was 95% sure that I was going to do this jump. This is, I'm, I'm taking it. So we get there and we start seeing guys. And I don't know, at that stage, it was the world's highest. So now they're like, that's the world's highest. Bungee commercial bungee jump. And I'm like, OK. And then I'm like, seeing these guys jump. And like they have the screen, and they see these guys jump. And I'm like, OK. And my uh, certainty went down a little bit, about 80%. But you know, I'm not going to tell others about that. I mean, I'm not going to look like that guy amongst the group. So I'm like, come, guys, so guys, are we going to do this? And they were like, yeah, let's do this. And so we were like, OK, we're going to do this. So we, we pay, we decide we're going to go, and we jump. And now, um, what happens is you have to walk through like this, about like a k and a half, two k's to the bridge. Uh, through the bush, um, it's, uh, which is kind of random. So you walk, and then you get to the bridge. And then you get you're underneath the bridge, and now you've got to walk under this really long bridge. But to try and stop people from, like, getting to the bridge, to bungee jump, and then pulling away, what they do is is the walkway is just a grated metal. So you look down. So the further you walk under this bridge, you just keep seeing how far this actually gets. So hopefully you'll be brave. If, if, if you're already there, this is not going to happen. You turn around. And I remember walking across that bridge going in my mind, going, I don't know if I can do this. It's high. Um, but I wasn't going to tell anyone else. So um, so we're like, come on, guys. And so you keep walking, we get to the bridge, and they're pumping with music, and it's loud, and the guys are spurring you on. And then they get together, and they're like, OK, guys, we're going to quickly go through the safety rules. This is what this thing does. Don't worry. We have never um, had anyone, like any, any, any injuries or even fatalities on, on, on this bridge. We've got a 100% safety record. And I'm a kind of guy that does calculated risks. So in my mind, I'm going, yeah, you see, that's great, but there's always then one guy. <laughs> at some point, there's a one where the 100% becomes 99%. You know? And it's probably going to be me. I'm telling you, I, I got this feeling. And so my certainty dropped to about 30%. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. Anyway, again, didn't tell the guys, and I'm like looking at everyone, and we go through the safety rules, and, and there's three of us, and, and he's like, all right, who's going first? And everyone's like, all three of us, I, it was quite funny, so he's like, okay, you, and I think um, uh, Rikus went first, and then it was, okay, you, and then it was me, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I got, I got to the edge, and one of the things that they say when you're doing your bungee jump, the first thing they say is when you get to the edge, don't look down, because um, it just puts that fear, your instinct kicks in, and you don't want to jump, um, and I never listened to anyone, so I looked down, and I was like, oh, snap, <laughs> And I was like, this is not going to go down well. And my certainty was right down to about 15%. And, and I thought, you know what? Suck it up and be a man and jump. And so I did. And, but here's the funny thing. So when you finish your bungee jump and we all go back, they give you like this video and they play this video back of you bungee jumping. Now in my mind, I jumped <laughs> and I fell. When you look at the video, it was more of a buckling of my legs and it was more than pushing me over. I don't think I jumped. It was sort of like a... And off I went. And when it comes to life, there are so many things that happen in our lives, decisions that happen in our lives, where we have certainty. You know, when you go to your first job interview or um, when you have to ask that girl out for the very first time or, the, and, or you go on that very first date... The certainty could be anything from 10% to 90%, but there are very few moments in life where you actually have 100% certainty on something. There's always a little bit of doubt, a little bit of thing. Courage is what fills the gap between the uncertainty, or the, the certainty you have and the commitment. You see, I was 100% committed. The whole time, even though my certainty was going down, I was not going to be that guy who was going to back away. And so I had 100% commitment, but my certainty level drops, and, and that's how it is in life. Often our lives are filled with the decisions that we have to make, um, and it's courage that fills the gap. God also fills that gap. God is the guy that gives us that courage. As a Christian, I believe that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father fills me every single day with moments where I need courage. He fills my heart with those moments, and and He fills the gap between my uncertainty and, and, and my commitment to whatever decision I have to make. And I believe that God inspires us, God encourages us on an everyday basis to, make, to do things that matter. And so I looked through the Bible and I was trying to find a story um, of, of, and there's actually many stories, of, of courage. And there's many obvious ones. There's many obvious prophets and guys who did really awesome things that required courage. But but I think there's a a guy that we don't normally talk about when it comes to courage. And he stands out. And his name is John. We know him as John the Baptist. So a quick overview of his life. John had a miracle birth, which we'll touch on in a minute. He was also a Nazarite, which, again, we'll also get to in a a moment. He lived in the wilderness, lots of long hair, uh, um, dieted on locusts and honey, Quite, a, quite a, a, a weird guy, but his ministry was out in the wilderness. Uh, he sees Jesus. He baptizes Jesus. Um, an awesome moment in, his, in, his, in, in the peak of his ministry. And then he dies. A martyr's death, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I'm going to cover these five points on when it comes to the, the, the story of John and see how these moments um, reflect courage. In Luke 1, verse 13 to 7, we, we get introduced to John. John. Um, I, I can preach a whole sermon on Zechariah and Elizabeth, John's mom. But um, I wanna, I'm going to just touch on this in that Zechariah and Elizabeth wanted to have kids and couldn't. Oh Yeah, they just couldn't. And they got to a really, a really old age and they still couldn't have kids. And what's very important about these two characters and what's really important just to note is that at that time, for people to get to that stage of life, in, and stay together as a couple in the Jewish culture would have been quite a thing, because um, Zechariah could have just said, "Look, we can't have kids. Sorry, I'm getting a new wife here. I need children. I need." And specifically, Zechariah was a priest. There had to be some sort of heritage. And and but he, they remained. Zechariah remained faithful to Elizabeth. They remained. Both of them remained faithful to God. They could have blamed God. They didn't. They just kept on asking. And so one day. An angel appears to Zechariah, and he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And by the way, this is for Luke who writes this. It's, a, it's very important. Luke is a doctor. He, he likes detail. So the fact that he put do not be afraid, Zechariah, means that this guy was particularly afraid. Because so much so that it was, it's actually remembered as part of the story. It's not just like, hey, there's a, this is a, he was afraid. All right? So this is a big moment in Zechariah's life. It says, do not be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you will name him John. You will, be, you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will never touch wine or, or other alcoholic drinks. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And, then they, and, and the world will turn many Israelites to the will of their God. He will be a man with great spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. A nice speech by this angel really instills the purpose of what John's life is going to be. Zacharias says, he's been asking this for a very long time. And then he goes, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) I think you mistake an angel. With all due respect, you got the wrong guy here. Like, sometimes, how many are moments in our lives where God gives you the answer? <laughs> he comes to you, and an angel, you like bow down, you're scared, and he comes and he gives you everything you've just been asking for, and then you still p- point in another direction. God, you got the wrong person. Sorry, it's not me. <laughs> so Zechariah gets punished. Well, not punished, but he says, um, you're not going to be able to speak until your baby is born. As a sign of the commitment that the Lord has done in your life and the prayer that he's answered. So he doesn't speak. But here's what's really interesting about this, this passage is that John's purpose was given to him right in the very beginning. We all have a purpose. We all... We, God, God works, us, works into us a will, his will, through our lives. Our pur- there is a purpose that God has ordained for each and every single one of us that he wants to live out in, 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 within the kingdom every single day. Psalm so 139, verse 13 and 14 says, For he created me in my innermost being. You knit me together my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a purpose. And there's no matter, and no matter what, we, what, we, what, we, what we say, no matter what we do, if we come before God and we, understand, and we learn what God um, wants for our lives, God will align us with his purpose and your purpose, which is part of his purpose. His will for our lives, our, will, our, our greatest fulfillment, our greatest purpose fits into God's master plan. And He moves us into it. And there's nothing that we can do that, that can change that. And it's going to take some sort of courage to actually live out that purpose. To find that purpose. The question is, is what is your purpose? And we need to find that purpose that God has given each and every single one of us and and we're going to need the courage to live out that purpose in our everyday lives. John had that John had a purpose. And 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 if you really want to know that God preordains or gives you a purpose right from the very beginning, there's a story. Elizabeth is walking uh, is, is at home and Mary, her cousin, Jesus' mom, who's also now pregnant with Jesus, they meet. Um, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth. And when he sees, when Mary sees Elizabeth, when they're in the same presence, John kicks his mom. And and the Bible says that as he kicked, Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit and filled with joy. John's purpose was to prepare the way and to tell people of the coming of the Lord. Turn away. Be ready. Change your life. And so he nudges. In the womb, he nudges his mom. He goes, hey, 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 look at this, John. It's Jesus. I mean, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And his mom is filled with the Spirit. <laughs> God knows what he's got to plan for you. And you're going you're to need to live it out. What is your purpose? What do, you need, what do you think that God has asked you to do? Have the courage to take that step. Commit to it. Because you might have doubts, but commit to that purpose that God has given you. You see, John was a Nazarite. His dad had raised him up as a Nazarite. A Nazarite was somebody that, whose life was dedicated to the, to the will of God um, and had three conditions. Number one, they could not drink any alcohol. Number two, you could never cut cut your um, your hair. So hence why John kind of looked like an overgrown hippie. Um, And you never touch a dead body. So Zechariah raised John as a Nazarite right from the very beginning. But at some point, John became a man himself. And his father's convictions for his life had to become his own. At some point, he, he could have been like, Dad, there's, this, there's that girl, and look at my hair. It's down here. Come on. I want you to just, let's, let's just leaden it up. Dad, there's a party just down the road, and they're drinking wine, and I just want to come on. Just, just maybe one sip, please. At some point, his dad's convictions became his own, and he had to own it. He had to say, I am a Nazarite. I'm going to continue this. It takes courage for us to live out the convictions that we have when it comes to our Christian faith. It takes courage to make those convictions our own. Because we live in a society that often goes against some of those things that we feel God has called us to do. Now maybe let's look at alcohol and we say, oh, you know... I believe that God said you should not drink alcohol or you should not get a tattoo or whatever. And if that is your conviction, please live it. Please have the courage to live that out. But also please understand that other people may not have that same conviction. And so don't judge them for theirs. It takes courage to stand up for your convictions. It takes courage to not be filled with self-righteousness. Because see, Jesus wasn't a Nazarite. Jesus touched the dead bodies, raised them from the dead. Interesting. So your convictions may be yours, and that's great, and live by them. Have the courage to stand by them, but also have the courage (laughs) to not judge others for theirs. But let's together learn and grow and find out what God has called you. What purpose has he given you and live that out in your life? So John, became, so John was a Nazarite, um, and he, he walked the walk. Matthew 3, verse 1 to 6 says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. Those who have spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food and locusts and wild honey. He ate, uh, his food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. The wilderness, John's ministry ground. You see, John knew his purpose, he had his convictions, and then he lived those out in the place that God had called him. In his case, it was the wilderness. He has something interesting that we don't always remember about John the Baptist. His ministry was out in the wilderness. At some point he moved out and he, and he went out into the, into the wilderness and he had to start, repent, start asking people to repent, prepare the way of the Lord. What we don't remember, or what we don't realize, is that people came to him. He didn't go to them. He didn't stop preaching in Jerusalem and in the major cities of the town. He went out and the people came to him. And in the beginning, he's, I'm pretty sure that his ministry wasn't all that successful. I'm pretty sure that he was preaching to a few shepherds that passed by and, and then the word grew and things had to grow. And sometimes we look at our lives and we, and we feel like we're stuck in the wilderness. We feel that we, we are, we, where we are, we're not making an impact in the kingdom of God. But you know what? If God has placed you there, if that is your, if that if you you are the place where God has placed you, have courage to stay. Because people came for, and I I worked it out, hundreds, hundred to two hundred kilometers away. That the length of the Jordan is pretty long. The whole of Israel, and and they came. They came to him. Stay where you are. Have the courage to live out. And if God has placed you in business, be in business. If God has placed you, don't feel that you need to be anywhere else other than where God has placed you in the season that He's placed you there. Have the courage to stand by those, by, by that place. And it's going to take courage to stay, even when you don't see the results. Whether it's work, whether it's marriage, your marriage starts looking a bit, a bit rocky. Have the courage to stay. Work it out. Figure it out. Church. Relationships. It's going to take courage to be in the place that God has placed you. But then people started coming. And his ministry grew. And his ministry grew. And people were coming from all over the Jordan. Or all over, from Jerusalem, Judea, all over Judea. What is it that you need to stay faithful to? Because you see, God will bless where you're at. The results will come. It's only a matter of when, not if. Because if you are in the place where God has placed you, if God has given you the convictions and the, and the purpose that you need to live out mm-hmm. your, your calling, your life, whatever it is that you're going to do, and even when it's looking bad, guess what? The good stuff's coming. You're about to hit them. You, you're going to be blessed. And so John's ministry, he's in the ministry, he's got all these people coming, and he's repenting a very radical message. He's saying, repent. And they're like, for what? I said, because you've turned away from God. There's somebody that's coming that's going to help you with this, but you need to change your actions. You need to change. See, because John didn't know. John didn't know that Jesus was going to die. This is before Jesus was, had died on a cross. Before Jesus' ministry had even began. So he's standing there saying, something's coming, you've got to be ready, which means change your stuff, get ready. Your actions are not in line with God, and if your actions are not in line with God, you've got to change. You're going to make a 180 degree turn. That's what repentance means. Repent means turn around and go the opposite direction. How many of us, need the courage to start making repentant decisions how many of us are in business where where the business is pushing you in a direction that you know is not the will of God and you need to just say i can't do this i'm going to stand by what i believe is right i'm going to change my actions and i'm going to I, my life's not right my marriage is not right I'm not the best parent that I can be. I need you to make a change here. And to, to repent, to turn from that is going to take courage. A lot of courage. Because we don't like being told that we're wrong. Even when we know we're wrong. John's message was repent. And here's the, here's the amazing thing. Because of Jesus Christ... When we repent, we don't have to go back years, we don't have to go back months to try and fix our relationship with God. God is there, closer than a whisper. All you need to do is make a commitment and God will be there with His forgiveness to walk this journey out with you. He just wants you looking at Him, not at the world. He just wants you to Change focus. And it's not going to require a massive, a massive decision on your part. Just come to him. He's right there to break the cycle of addictions. To fix your marriage. To make sure that you are going to be blessed in the workplace that you're in. To give you the partner that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. He's there. You just need to make a change. John 1 verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The peak of John's John's ministry, he's standing in the river and he's baptizing and he looks up and there's Jesus. In the peak of his ministry, he's focusing people away from himself, but towards Jesus. And he is overjoyed. See, John was the happiest when people were looking at Jesus. We need to change our focus and look towards Jesus. It takes courage to say... It takes courage to look at Jesus... When things are going well, when you're experiencing success, when you finally things are going the way you want in your ministry, in your life, in your marriage, it takes courage to say, that was Jesus, not me. Sure. Because when it's bad, we can, we, can, we can turn around and we can repent and we can look at Jesus. But when things are going well, to focus other people on, on Jesus, that's a hard thing. When, when, in, when, when kids ministry is do, going well, it's hard. It, it takes courage to say, look at Jesus, don't look at me. When new creation is going well, it takes courage for us as a church to say, it's Jesus, not me. Not the pastors, not the, not the worship team. Look at him, don't look at me, look at him. It takes courage when things are going well to focus on Jesus. It also takes immense courage to look at Jesus when you when you don't know Him. The day I gave my life to the Lord and I looked at and I and I, and I experienced Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, it took courage. It took it took a step of faith because I wasn't hundred percent sure, and that's okay but I was committed, I made a 100% commitment and I said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to follow this Jesus guy and he changed my life it takes courage that first step to say, Jesus, I accept you I need you not me, but you may my life be honoring you may I um, fulfill the purposes you have for me, not my purposes, but your purposes John said, look, it's Jesus. And then Jesus came up to him. And Jesus came up to him and said, John, I need you, I need you to baptize me. <laughs> what would you do if the Son of God came to you and said, I want you to pray for me? <laughs> Woo! John's like, no, 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 no. Jesus, you got this wrong. wait. You do realize you are the Son of God, hey? You, 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 know, you, you know you are Jesus, right? Uh, I, you need to be baptizing me. John said, God, Jesus said, no, 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 no. We've got, to fulfill the, we've got to fulfill Scripture here. We've got to do what needs to be done. Matthew 3, verse 13 to twenty says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized you. Do not come to me. Jesus replied, Let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love and I'm well, peel, uh, well pleased. This is my boy. I love that moment when God just looks at, looks at Jesus and says, There you are. World, it's my son. And I personally, I can't wait for the day that I get to look at my son or my daughter and and say, this is (laughs) my child, and I'm pleased. But you see, it takes courage and humility for John to baptize Jesus. It took immense courage. It took immense humility and courage for Jesus to be baptized by John. You see God God's righteousness is got Jesus is, is 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 Jesus is the full is the fullness of righteousness and God is proud of Jesus but he's proud of you and he's proud of you because of Jesus He's proud of you because Jesus makes you whole Jesus wipes away your sin Jesus puts you in right standing before the Father and the Father can now look at you and say my boy my girl, my prince, my princess. And it's going to take courage and humility to, to, to be seen as that, to be seen as a God follower. It takes courage. See, baptism, when we, get, when we, when we baptize people, we, we are baptizing them in the water and their old self is come, is go, goes and their new self comes up. And we're holding them accountable to the decision that they made. When I, got, when, when I stood at the altar with, in front of my wife, I said a vow. I choose you for all eternity. I choose you as my wife. And I sealed that vow with a wedding ring. I, that, this wedding ring represents my commitment to my wife. It is a visible sign of what I chose to do. People can look at me and say, He is a married man. When we get baptized, that's exactly what we're saying. We're saying, My old self is gone, the new self has come, and I I want the world to know. It's a symbol of saying, I am now a Christ follower. And it takes courage to do that, it takes courage to be baptized. And it takes courage because, again, like salvation, you don't need 100% certainty. See, when I, come out of the, when I got baptized and I came out of the water, there were still things I know I needed to work out in my life. There were things that I still needed to repent from, uh, things that I had to change, things that I had to start focusing on. But I made a 100% commitment, and when I went into that water and I came back out, I knew that <laughs> from this day on, I'm not going to be ashamed. I did not I, I don't have to, if somebody asks, if somebody looks at me and says, what's different about you? I'm like, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. Would you like to know about him? When you're in your workplace, when you're in the wilderness, or wherever you are, when you're at school, varsity, do people know? Do people know? Because so it's going to take courage to stand when the office party is around and everyone's doing stuff and you have to stand and say, I'm not going to do this because... I know it's not right. It's going to take courage. So John, so Jesus gets baptized, he starts his ministry, and so guess what happens to John's? It starts fading. And so John's disciples come up to Jesus and they're like, John, but you see, Jesus is down the road. He's, his disciples are baptizing people and people are going to Him. Look how many people He's got. Listen, we were the original guys here. We started this thing. Surely there's a painting. Surely we can take this to court. Surely, come on, dude. What's going on here? Like, aren't you going to say anything? You baptized Jesus even. He's just copying your idea, man. And John said, no. The sun must increase. I must decrease so the because in- the sun must increase. His ministry started changing. And you know what? It takes courage. It takes courage to celebrate what God is doing in somebody else's life. <laughs> it takes courage to look at somebody's ministry who's going really well, or somebody who's, who's um, preaching the word better than me, or whose kids' ministry is better than mine, or uh, whose church is better than ours, and and who's, who's got success in their business, or who's got better degrees than you and got better marks than you, it takes courage to say, well done, God is happy with you. Good job. See what Jesus did. See what Jesus is doing. It's amazing. See, because the world will teach us not to do that. John had no ego, no jealousy, no pride. Just... Guys, it's okay. We're going to keep doing what we're going to do. Jesus is going to increase. The less people we start having around this river, the more Jesus is winning. That's what we need to be doing. And then like all other prophets, (laughs) John calls out Herod's daughter for some of the sins she was committing in her life. So Herod had John arrested. Because John was bold enough to say you need to repent. And he started pointing out the, the errors in the, in the hierarchy. And so the John, and so Herod had John arrested. And so he's sitting in jail. And um, he sends his disciples to go to Jesus. And he says, Go ask Jesus, is he the one? This is the guy who in the womb was like, Mom, 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 it's Jesus. This is the guy who spent his whole life dedicated to God. This is the guy who baptized Jesus, and as Jesus came out of the water, looked up, and the Spirit of God came down. He heard the voice of God say, this is my son. And he's like, just go ask him if he's the one. You see, we're all going to have doubts. We're all going to have disappointments. Even John had his doubts. He was disappointed. It's not how it worked out. He was like, but, but I did everything right here, God. <laughs> what, what, what's going on? I don't, think he knew, I don't think he questioned who Jesus was. He was just like, God, are, are you sure that this is what's happening here? Why am I in jail? <laughs> it's, not, it's not how I thought it was going to work out. And in your life and in your, li- in your ministry, there may become times where you're going to have those doubts. Were you going to be like, God, are you sure? God, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. This sucks. This hurts. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be poor. What's going on? So Jesus does something really awesome. So instead of Jesus responding, going like, duh... Hello, you know I am, you heard the voice, what's wrong with you? Jesus responds with love, and he says, go tell them. Of course I'm the one. And he responds with love. And John gets beheaded. <laughs> and G- Jesus hears the news that John, is, John has died, and, he's, and he weeps. See, sometimes we don't understand the things that Jesus and God does. And we're like, why, Lord, why? Don't for one second think that God doesn't get upset about it. Jesus weeps. And he says says these words. There has been no greater man that has lived than John. The Son of God says that John was the greatest man to have ever lived. He loved John. He knew John. He knew his ministry. And here's the thing. God loves you. And no matter what it is that you do, no matter how many doubts that you have, here's what John did. John didn't wallow with his, with his disciples saying, oh, you know, I wonder if this Jesus guy is really real. Look, look where I am. It's not working out how I think. You know what he did? He took his doubts to Jesus. Jesus. You need to take your doubts to Jesus. You need to take your disappointments to Jesus. You need to take your sadness to Jesus. You need to take your anger and say, God, I'm not happy. Because God will respond with love and say, it's okay. And He will cry with you and He will walk it out. And yes, God sometimes answers it. God sometimes changes it. God could have brought John out of, the, out of, the, out of jail. He could have, He did it for Peter. He did lots of different things. He could have raised John from the, from, from the dead again. But he didn't. And we may never understand why God allows certain things and does certain things and why he does and doesn't. That's not the point. The point is, is who are you focusing on? And here's the thing. It takes courage. It takes courage to say, all for you, God, no matter what happens. And it takes courage to take your doubts, your disappointments, your anger, your sadness and focus on Jesus. Jesus. Earlier this year, we, um, I, and Gavin had the amazing privilege of baptizing some of our young adults, who made a decision to walk out their faith, and um, we then, so Gavin, filmed their their testimonies, and I want to play two of those testimonies for you today.
0: I'm being baptized because well it's time to lift up my head and to stop making excuses for my faith Um, basically I always thought that well I wasn't really good enough I always tried to be perfect but that's not who I am and I need to take this opportunity that God's given me I need to accept his grace because I'm never going to be perfect but that doesn't matter to him he loves me anyway and I want to love him With the same kind of love. I want to walk away with a new hope that I can set myself aside because I'm rarely the only one who's getting in the way of God's plan for me. So yeah I want to declare that I trust him fully with what he's got in store for me and yeah I just want to live that out. I didn't really know much about baptism a while ago and as I started getting this relationship with God, baptism just kept on coming up more and more often and he ended up giving me a sign um, from a lady that writes words down. In that letter, it, it was basically just saying, Determine yourself to go in, surrender to me. Like, to go deeper into love is to go deeper into trust, which hit me hard. And it's like, can you trust me to take care of you? Can you trust me (laughs) to do all of these things for you? And I was like, wow, I've been trying to hold it and I haven't been trusting you. So I want to trust you. And this was me like surrendering it all to him. There's no reason to wait. And I want to make that commitment. As soon as possible. I don't want to associate with this world anymore. Any longer, I want to associate with God.
1: It takes courage. Can I ask the worship team to come up? So, what next for you? It's going to take courage to walk out this walk that we have with the Lord. It takes courage. It takes courage to do what matters in life. It takes courage to stand by your convictions. It takes courage to inspire others while you are, where you are placed in your life. It takes courage to remain faithful in the purposes that God has given you. It takes courage to repent and make a change in the way we live. It takes courage to commit to, the, to following Christ as Lord. It takes courage to be baptized and make that decision public. It takes courage to allow God to increase and for you to decrease. It takes courage to follow Jesus despite your doubts, your disappointments, your angers. It takes courage to live a life that honors God. This morning, I want you to remember this. It takes courage. gonna ask this morning and we do the follow firstly I want to ask if there's an area of your life where you feel you need God's courage to come inside of you God's spirit to come inside of you to spur you on to make a stand where you work where you live to make a stand for your marriage to make a stand for against an illness or a sick or a loved one that's sick to make it a stand in, in the way that you are living and say, I'm gonna live a different life. And I'm gonna ask that you then have the courage to come to the front and let us pray for you. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna ask you again that this morning that you have the courage, the bravery, the boldness to come and stand here and say, I might not be sure, but I, Jesus, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose you. I'm going to see what you are all about. I'm going to see what... I, I, I want to know this guy that's the Savior of the world. I want to know you. I want to repent for the way that I've lived. And I want to live a life that honors you. And I want to ask that you come and stand here. Take the boldness to come and stand here and let us pray for you. And then finally... I want to ask if you if you want to have the courage, if you've made me feel that I, I, I want I want to do something different with my life, I know, I've, I know who Jesus is, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I need to be just I need to get my focus right. And I want to ask that you come as well to the front and let us pray for you. Let us give help you get make that commitment. If any of you want to be baptized, uh, we're going to do some baptisms in the first few Sundays, or one of the first few Sundays of the new year. I want you to come and give your name to us. Come and stand here. Let's pray with you. Then let's just journey. this a little journey with you, and we're going to do some baptisms right in the beginning of the year because we want you to. We want to make your decision public. We want you to start 2020 in the right way, saying, "I'm going to live 2020 for God. I'm going to point my life towards Jesus. I'm not going to focus on myself anymore." So, as the band. Uh, worship team just sings a song, come to the front, and let us just pray I hope you have enjoyed this recording. For more information about New Creation Family Church, please visit our
0: website
1: at www.newcreation.co.za.